friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. It was all a dream. I used to read Sport Magazine. Larry Bird and Magic J up in a limousine, hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, college ball, Mr. Magic Dick Vitale. Now I'm in the limelight, not because I rhyme tight, but because I'm officially one year and one show into Tim and Friends. That's right, kids. We are officially one year old plus a day, almost seven years now in this studio. And to make you feel real old, over 20 years since my debut on The Score. And as if that didn't make folks around my age feel old enough, Today officially marks 25 years to the day that we lost the notorious B.I.G. But as Christopher Wallace taught us, there is life after death. Success is one thing, impact is another. So from Big Papa to a Big Poppy, Austin Matthews back at it last night as he notched his third hat-trick of the year, officially making him the favorite for the Hart Trophy oh, about a week or two after we suggested such was the case. Mo money, mo problems. As Ovi ties Yager for third on the all-time scoring list in Calgary. But he now heads to Edmonton for what will be a chilly reception as we separate the weak from the obsolete. We will discuss that with Sam Cosentino and get his NHL draft rankings up in it because for these kids, the sky's the limit. Now... I've had extensive hip-hop conversations with my guy Alvin Williams, who's been a terror since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing passes, because he was a point guard, right? You know, Pat. Boogie will join us in the opening hour to Sweet to be Sour. Are the Raptors ready to get money again in San Antonio against the Spurs tonight? And if you thought Kyrie was done, you're dead wrong. Irving hit him with a 50-piece last night in Charlotte. Plenty of juicy NBA topics for Al and I. And finally, fresh off of his first ATP title, I'm guessing Felix Auger-Aliassime will have more than one more chance to get a couple of titles to add to the list. Maybe even a Grand Slam or more, and I'm not talking about the breakfast. The 21-year-old phenom will join me from Indian Wells, so we're going, going back, back to Cali at just past 6 p.m. Eastern. And then there's, there's Rob Manfred and, uh, and Major League Baseball. We play that stupid game again, deal or no deal. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. Can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just hate your flashy ways. But I guess that's why they're broke and you're so paid. We'll get you the latest. So relax and take notes. And if you please, take totes. Timmy might not be mace, but I'm still... Same old pimp, ain't nothing changed but my limp. But we'll straighten it out as we proceed to give you what you need. But as always, we start with Jesse, Biggie, and First Things First. First Things First. I feel like we're in 8 Mile, even though I know that's not Biggie, but like... No, you can't go eight miles. Although you could. Three, one, you three. could. There was a little crossover. <laughs> oh. Tiny little crossover. That was I guess tight. Impressive. Uh, I appreciate it. That's my wheelhouse. 
Yeah, no, I'm not going to go ahead and yeah. do that. I, didn't, like that. I was going to no. ask you off the top if you were a fan because, one, I think it was a little before your time. No, I liked, I liked Biggie in the day. In the day. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me like that? I was a Biggie fan. Yeah, all right. Biggie, Tupac, yeah. Eminem, Got you. Dre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everyone that performed at the halftime show. <laughs> yeah. the, those super popular I guys. You. Which made us all feel old when they hit the stage. Like, it was Dude. great. But Dude. it was, a, you say, yes, Sebby, yeah. Dude. If anyone who was my age or in around, when we were watching that, we realized we were our parents. That was the moment where many of us realized we were our parents. Oh, yeah. I mean, 50 upside down was a tough Tough luck. <laughs> Tough luck. Better, still better than his first pitch. Yeah, I wouldn't still tell him that to his face, pitch. though. I can <laughs> yeah. guarantee you that. Uh, <laughs> let's go uh, on to first things first, uh, sports edition, not the hip-hop edition. We've seen this play out time and time again, Timmy. The Maple Leafs blew a 3-1 lead again last night, uh, but won with help from their top line again to beat the Kraken. Austin Matthews led the way, picking up his sixth career hat trick. He's up to 43 goals. Well, in Calgary, Alexander Ovechkin was booed every time he touched the puck, but still scored twice and tied Yarmir Yager for third on the all-time list. Goal scorers scored goals last night. Timmy, mm-hmm. which guy do you want to discuss first? <laughs> well, Daryl Sutter told us that goal scorers score goals last night, and don't turn it over to that dude, number eight. Um, let's let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs, because I think we're going to walk down the road of OV's transition from Calgary to Edmonton tonight. Uh, Just Austin Matthews and what he's doing right now is is jaw-dropping. It's ridiculous. I mean, you and I, about a week ago, suggested, like, now he's the favorite to win the heart. Mm -hmm. And it was the game where we saw a 200-foot game. After last night, Michael Bunting, now, he even admitted he may be biased, but said he's the best player in the league, and it's not even close. And when you look at the numbers, I mean, 43 goals on the year, he could end up with the Rocket Richard and the Art Ross by the end of the year. He, he's seemingly, barring any injury, and I don't want to do this because I hate the on pace, but at this point, I think we're safe to do yeah. on pace. He's ready to obliterate Rick Vives' franchise record. I mean, he's on pace for over 60 goals this year. The franchise record for the Toronto Maple Leafs now what, close to 40 years old? It is 40 years old at 54. He's got 43 right now, and he's still got a lot to go. Uh, and the numbers that he and Marner, and, and this is what I was trying to point to yesterday, the numbers that he and Marner are putting up, they're correlated and they're ridiculous. So yeah. since January 15th, they both lead the NHL in scoring, and it's by a pretty significant number. And for all Matthews is doing, Marner has more points. It's the sneakiest uh, performance. It's the sneakiest stretch I can remember. And look at the goals. Like, we're patting Austin Matthews on the back for the numbers that he is putting up. And they are ridiculous. But Marner's almost matched him on the goals. And that right there is a different level. Because, again, I said this yesterday, in the postseason against the Montreal Canadiens, they combined for one goal. Now, one of the best checkers in the league helped slow them down in that series, and the Leafs were built to get more than one line going when it mattered most, and they couldn't really because John Tavares was also hurt. But that's that's my biggest question is, it looks like Austin Matthews is the Hart Trophy winner. I mean, we showed you the odds yesterday. (laughs) The odds changing between yesterday and today. Piling in. 
is unbelievable. Did we change the odds at Bet365? Yeah. Let's start with yesterday. So yesterday, Connor McDavid was the slight favorite mm-hmm. to win the Hart Trophy at plus 260. Austin Matthews was plus 275. After the hat trick last night, here are the Hart Trophy odds today. Same place, Bet365. Austin Matthews goes from plus 275 to plus 160. So for those who don't sprinkle every so often, he went from 2.75 to 1 to 1.6 to 1. Now, it's absurd. My brother just texted me and asked me if he should cash out his bet. He got it at 7 to 1. And now he's thinking, like, I said to him, it seems like unless something happens here, like injury, it seems like this is almost inevitable. Which is what the futures play on, though, right? Like, I had Bo Bichette to lead the MLB in hits, and they never offered me a cash out. Mm -hmm. Because if he gets hurt in any one of those games, you know they're going to lose the chance. So that's kind of what futures play on. So always play safe, kids. It's, I find it funny that um, sort of you wake up today and the narrative is now, is Austin Matthews the best player in the league, right? And Leaf fans, I think for a long time, I think everyone always sort of appreciated Matthews, but now it's taken, it's taken it to another level here because of this stretch. And he's 24 years old, Tim. That is the craziest part of all of this to me. He's 24 years old. Like, when is your prime supposed to start in the National Hockey League because this guy is putting up numbers that, frankly, we haven't seen since Alexander Ovechkin in the 07-08 season when he had 65 goals. We haven't seen these numbers in over a decade. Well, we saw them last year, Jesse. In a shortened season. We saw No, we saw them last year, yeah. yes, in a shortened season. But we were telling you last year yeah. that Austin Matthews was doing the same thing. My guy had 41 goals in 52 <laughs> games last year. He's got 43 goals in 54 games. Like, the consistency right now is jaw-dropping. I got another stat that I can hit you it's with like, and I can find it. It's before. numbing. The numbers are numbing. It's like this whole thing is just, it's all Matthews stats everywhere. 36 in his last 37. That's 42 in 48 games. 36 in the last 37. Like, what are we doing? He scored one goal in his first six games of the season. He was dealing with that wrist issue, right? And People used to joke about gag, goal a game. My guy is goal a game uh, over almost 40. Like, it's ridiculous. The question is, though, so once we get past, okay, Austin Matthews is sorry, Edmonton. And if you get on a roll, guess what? This could change. But Austin Matthews is now the favorite to win the Hart Trophy, yeah. both in Jesse and I's mind and Vegas's mind. There is a near consensus on this. But the question I have for you is, can the Leafs win this way in the postseason? <laughs> I mean, it, I know we're supposed to be analysts here, another but it's, any, it's, any, it's anyone's guess. Like, going against the teams that they are scheduled to play. But I just told you that they did this last year. I just told you that Austin Matthews was scoring at the same clip last year. And John Tavares has gone kind of quiet. So if you can nullify that top line, you can beat the Leafs. You can't keep blowing 3-1 leads even if you're winning. Yeah, you've been saying this for months, and I came around on the at least the goaltending aspect of it. Like, we can agree, like, it's over. For, like, it, Has it, anyone it's over won Jack. fast and loose in the NHL in the postseason? No. And I don't, think, I don't think that they can change the way they play unless they bring in more guys like um, the Russian Bear. 
who has been a beast in front of the net. I, like, lo- I love how you pick up a guy in a deal from Arizona, and that's now the Leafs guy. He's, he's, Look at him running over people in front a revelation. of the net. Love to see it. He's a revelation. It's I mean, that easy. If it's, it, yeah, you're not going to pick up 10 guys like that at the deadline to change the way that you play. Maybe they try to. Maybe they try to. But the MO of this team, as long as the core is what it is, is as this top line goes, the success of this team goes. All right. You need goaltending too, which I don't. One interesting thing before we get I, I would love to see, and Let me just say this: like I would love to see it. Like I would love to see the return of fire wagon hockey. It would be if amazing I, if I have to turn on Ken Reed one more time at night and he goes on it. Oh yeah, I love when they forget their their defenses and their systems and they just play. <laughs> it's fun to watch. A hundred percent. Just doesn't happen in the postseason. No. Not since the '80s, at least. Like, you can't deny that the Leafs are an entertaining hockey team. Uh, one thing no, I wanted I, to ask you. I, I, so, I would love, I would love, I would love, I would love to see uh, the Leafs impose their will in the postseason mm-hmm. and just say, we're going to put our foot on the gas and try and run you out the barn. I would love to see it. 7-3. I just don't know that that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the only way they're winning right now. Uh, one thing before I get to uh, Ovechkin, do you think that Matthews, I know he's the favorite for the heart now, do you think he has to win the Art Ross to win the heart because only three times in the last decade has since that was uh, the Rocket Richard uh, was brought along in 1999 only two guys have ever done that so that's why it's hard if he does win both he's winning the heart so don't worry about that you know what it is he could do that Chuckles per 60 right now. Yeah, he's in Chuckles per 60. He's Chuckles per 60. So were the Calgary Flames going into that game last night. Was that a tired Calgary Flames performance, or is that an excuse for a team that's played pretty damn good hockey over the last little while and gave up two leads when it looked like maybe they were just going to bury Ovi in the caps? I think when Haley Salvian came on the show yesterday and suggested that maybe the Flames are getting a little tired, I think that hit the nail on the head. You can't come out and play your A game every single night. And they got away with one uh, in the Battle of Alberta where I think Haley said they had their B game. Yeah, and that's and what they, they had, won. and they still won. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to happen every night for the Calgary Flames. But uh, how much more evidence do we need to have uh, to, to show that this team is, is for real? Like, yes, they, didn't, they struggled a little bit defensively. They're also going up against one of the greatest goal scorers, if not the greatest goal scorer with their backup of goal. all time. With their backup, with their backup goaltender. So, now, he beat the Colorado Avalanche. But he did not look great last night. I mean, 22 saves in a 5-4 game just isn't enough. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't worry, I don't think, anyone. When you have your backup goaltender and that Ovechkin scores in a couple times, like, if that was Jacob Markstrom... Well, yeah, I know who it worries. There's a, who? Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter worries every single time they get scored on. Like, it's not a, if it's no, not he a doesn't want him to... Shut out. He, is the, he, is the, he is the polar opposite of what the Leafs are doing. With, <laughs> can you imagine if Daryl Sutter was coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs quit. right now? I think he'd quit. He, he would pull out his hair. <laughs> He, he, he almost looks like a cartoon character when he hits the... I feel like we need to do a Deep Thoughts by Daryl Sutter. I, let's get him on and the show. And now, Deep Thoughts with Daryl Sutter. How do you, like, break... How do you break him from that mold? Like, how do you, you get don't. him to, like... You don't. He's had remarkable success doing that, and that's what he's going to do until, until he leaves God's green earth. That will be Daryl Sutter. I love it. But, but he is the reason why... We now almost, it's almost unanimous that the Flames are considered the best 
threat to win the Stanley Cup in Canada. Well, he's your coach of the year. It's because too. of him. And he's your coach of the year, right? right. Like, that's almost locked and loaded yeah. at this juncture. Well, pat yourself on the back. Well, I just, I just want to say that it's locked and loaded because I may have a future <laughs> on Daryl Sutter winning Love it. Jack uh, Adams. <laughs> Ken Reed and Sam Cosentino coming up a little later to talk more hockey. Um, Can we separate Ovi from the conversation that will take place tonight? And we'll get into it a little bit more with... Gene Principe and what is like a heavily Ukrainian fan base yeah. uh, in Edmonton. Like just 766. And the fact that he could, I mean, it's crazy. He's going to be in Edmonton tonight chasing down uh, Gretzky's record in front of that crowd. Like there's just so many parallels. Obviously, Gretzky's lineage draws back to the same area mm-hmm. of the world as well. Like there's so many ties that bind as this comes to fruition but like if we just separate that story from the goal scorer Alexander Ovechkin like I will never forget sitting at media day in Chicago and asking him if he thought he could beat Gretzky's record I've never seen eyes he wanted nothing to do with talking to Sid and I absolutely I've told this story before Mm -hmm. he sits down NHL brought him in it's kind of like a car wash they have to go and stop at all these places he sits down and he wants nothing to do with him, with us, and I, I don't blame him at all, uh, until I said, hey, do you think you can break Gretzky's record? And this is a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. And his eyes just lit up, and he talked about how he and Backstrom have had the conversation before. I mean, they just hit their 1,000th game playing together. Like, that's insanity. Like, I know what it's like to work with a coworker that long, and trust me, when Sid went to breakfast television, there was a little bit of a break for both of us. Okay, both of us took a deep breath and didn't talk for a while. Right? He's him and Backstrom have played together for a thousand games. They've got this amazing chemistry, and it's just like he is an unbelievable goal scorer, probably the best that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. It's like Tom Brady territory. I know he's not the same age, but when you factor in what he does on the ice. And you factor in, like, the lack of goals scored during his prime. Yes. As a league. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I know people are going, hey, McAuliffe, Gretzky scored 92, take it easy. Yeah, the league scored way more goals back then. I know Bernie Nichols scored 70. The league scored way more goals back then. Ovi, every year, doesn't matter, guys. Clutching him, grabbing him. Everyone knows where he's shooting from. And he still scores. He, I, I think he might be the greatest goal scorer ever. And he's going to hear it tonight in Edmonton. Love it. Uh, okay. <laughs> he's going to hear it tonight. Uh, we'll see what uh, puns Sorry, Gene Seth. can come, come up with the, with the uh, Ovechkin goal scoring conversation. Okay. The Toronto Raptors continue a six-game road trip tonight, taking on the Spurs and trying to avoid their first four-game losing streak of the season. Here's some good news, though. Fred Van Vliet is back. He's missed the last five games with a knee injury. Timmy, what are you looking to see from Fred and the Raps tonight? Well, Fred is this this, this straw that stirs the drink, yeah. right? Like, I think we've all come to realize the uh, Fred. I mean, and listen, the Toronto Raptors, in order to compete this year, need everyone to be healthy and everyone on the floor. They're just not good enough to compete any other way. Um, they might be able to get by. Um, when Gary Trent Jr. gets hot or get by when Siakam gets hot. But if you're looking for anything from this Raptors team, they are going to have to be healthy. They're now seventh in the East, but uh, an interesting spot because you want to avoid the playing game, Mm -hmm. especially if Brooklyn... Like, listen, we're going to see... It's going to get real tough for this team. At Phoenix, at Denver after San Antonio tonight, 
Clippers, Philly, Chicago, Cleveland, Boston, Miami, and Philly. Like, <laughs> you're gonna learn a lot about them. Yeah. Like that's what that says to me. Like we we have been talking about how we think this team is better than at least the core is better than what many people thought at the beginning of the year. I this left is, out the Lakers. This is where yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like at the beginning of the year, if you would have read that stretch, yeah, you would have said the Lakers. You said, uh oh, you got to play the Lakers. And, and the now Clippers. it's like, oh, it's a welcome. Let's <laughs> yeah. play the Lakers. Yeah. Let's bring them in. Eighteen games left. It's going to be tough. Sorry. No, no. That, yeah, that's the point. It's just this is the stretch where you learn. A lot about this team, especially with Fred now back in lineup. They're finally starting to get a little bit healthy, where we thought they were going to be better than many people thought they were going to be, and that sort of remains to be seen until you play the real big boys, and that's coming up now. Uh, most impressed with Kyrie or Giannis last night? I mean, it's, it is nice, I have to say. It's nice to see Kyrie doing his thing again. Can I... I, I I'm, maybe I'm like I'm biased here, but I was trying to get the Giannis out. Did you see what he did last night? Yes, he is a he is. He had 39 <laughs> points, seven rebounds, seven assists on 13 of 19 shooting, four of four from three, and he did it in 27 minutes. He had 39 points in 27 minutes. Here's here's what Giannis is. I know everyone's shiny things. Kyrie 50. That was what everyone was talking about today because it's all drama. And Giannis just does his thing in 27 minutes, gets off, and they blow out their, their opponents. <laughs> he could have the first ever 32-12-6 season. Okay? Mm-hmm. First ever 32-12-6 season. Uh, Michael Grange pointed this out on Twitter. Oscar had a 30-12-11 season. Ridiculous. He did it in 44.4 minutes per game. That's how much he played. Oscar. This didn't take him off the court. You know how much Giannis is playing right now? Tell me. 32.7 minutes per game. It's the lowest of anyone in the top 25 in scoring. He's going to be so fresh for the playoffs. That is scary. And Chris, you know, Chris Middleton is like second among, I think Chris Middleton's 26th, and he's the only one lower than Giannis. It's a conversation for another time, but it feels like Giannis and Jokic, those two seasons, the stats that they're putting up are a little bit underappreciated on the whole. Remarkably. Yeah. Underappreciated. Maybe we'll talk to Alvin Williams. Love it. Still plenty ahead on this edition of Tim and Friends. Phoenix Auger Aliassime will join me from Indian Wells, California, to talk about what's already been the best year of his young career. And it's March, and I don't have a watch on. Alexander Ovechkin continues his tour of Alberta tonight in Edmonton. We'll talk hockey with Ken Reed, Sam Cosentino. Up next, Alvin Williams joins us as the Raptors get set to take on Greg Popovich and the Spurs in San Antonio. Tim and friends, on a hump day, get your money, kids. Near side for Matthews, the shot, he scores! Bunting to Matthews, scores! the 50-piece. Irving has 50! Flammable here tonight. He's been sensational. My goodness, Kyrie is highlight after highlight tonight. You know, great performance, but it's really about the team and us collectively getting better. From Canada, Felix Oshay Aliassim. He's made it to no one's surprise. It's fabulous play. The 21-year-old Canadian claims his maiden title on the ATP Tour.
come out, we play like ass, and, and everybody wants to jump to conclusions. Write what you will. The Raptors in a tough situation. What's your level of concern with this team right now? The Raptors right now, they're searching. They're searching for offense. Wayne Casey continues to have success coming back against his former team. Things really didn't go our way, like abundantly. And the Magic gets a win in front of a sold-out Scotiabank Arena. Obviously not having OG and Fred in the mix has, has been a challenge. The Cavs hold on to the Raptors. The Raptors have now dropped three in a row. And the Raptors will try and snap that slide in San Antonio tonight against Greg Popovich and the crew. Here to talk about that and more is my friend Alvin Williams, who joins me now from suburban Philadelphia. What's going on, Al? How are you? What's going on, my friend? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, you and I have had some hip-hop trivia uh, conversations off the top of our hits in the past. Uh, we did that last time. So in the words of Tony, 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 do you know <laughs> what today is? It's our anniversary. <laughs> yeah, it's but our do, anniversary. Do, not our anniversary, but do you know what the anniversary is today? I don't. Get ready to feel old. It is the 25th anniversary of the day we lost Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Oh. Biggie. This Mar- today is March 9th, huh? Today is March 9th, my friend. Today is March 9th. And oh, I, wow. listen, I celebrate even in death. So that's I have a problem. Might be wow. the little bit of Irish that I have in me. But I celebrate even in death. And it makes me feel old that it's been 25 years since we lost Big. But your favorite song? My, oh, no. I, don't ha- I, can't, I can't even go there. I mean, underground, mixtape, those big early on. But I love his second album, the the double album with uh, got a story to tell warning no that, that's his first album, uh, uh, it's a lot so it's, man how do it's I a, love thee let, let me count the ways is that what you're doing right now how do I love thee let me count the ways you can't pick one yeah <laughs> it I, I can't I can't pick one but I will tell you this this is the day and this is how I feel old as well this is my senior year in college 1997 we just lost to Boston College in a Big East tournament championship. And we woke up the next day. Tim Thomas was my roommate, yeah. and he got a phone call that Biggie Smalls was killed the night before or earlier that day in, in L.A. Yeah. And I remember that was the worst morning, and the I could and we were in New York, so it was a crazy time when when that happened. So yeah, I'm really old on many fronts. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring you back to those days. I was a. I can't. We, we lost in the championship. We lost Biggie. We lost everything that day, man. I uh, I said that uh, Alvin Williams in the opening monologue's been a terror since the public school era. Bathroom passes, Ooh. cutting classes, sweet. I said sweet passes Ooh. though. Uh, so that yeah. that might be like I'm I'm always early, and that might be my favorite Biggie song because it was just a little bit before he got kind of huge. Partying, partying, BSing, partying, BSing. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about the Toronto Raptors going into San Antonio. Uh, been a little bit, been a little. Uh, I don't want to screw that up. A little BS in what we've seen, at least in the wins and losses from the Raptors lately. How much is this just missing Freddie Van Vliet? Like, is he that big a part of the process? <laughs> For sure. I mean. What Freddie brings to the table defensively, offensively, leadership, stability, calmness, big, make, big shot making, big shot take, all of those things. But don't forget about OG as well. OG yeah. brings a physicality. OG brings an outside game. 
He brings inside. He brings athleticism. So with those two being out, especially when the Raptors were making their biggest push and they were coming together, the, the cohesiveness that they had when those guys were playing the bulk of the minutes, those five guys, and then, you know, Chris Boucher coming in and doing his thing as well. But without having that five men, those five men at, on display of all times, is the, the Raptors are going to hurt. And until that lineup gets back in order, they probably still see some up-and-down basketball. What, what do you think the ceiling is on this team? Because we were just talking about that. Like, there's, there's not a lot of depth on this team. They need everyone to be healthy to compete with anybody. But what do you, like, how good can they be when they're healthy? I mean, I think we've seen it. I mean, when, when they're all healthy and they're, they're playing at a high level, Pascal Siakam doing his thing as well, being a facilitator, doing everything that he could do. I thought they were really coming together before the All-Star break. But those injuries, those are the challenges. Nick Nurse and the coaching staff, they found their best solution is for those guys to play the bulk of the minutes. But with that being said, you, you will run risk of fatigue. You will run risk of people wearing down. And those are the things. That's why you want to have a complete team that you can trust. And I still believe some of those guys on the, on the bench, they can come in there and do their thing, or you can mix and match the lineup a little bit to get more productivity. But, you know, at the end of the day, those five guys, the best players on the Raptors team, they have to play at a high level at all times for this team to be as good as they can be. Let me ask you a question that's uh, it, it's nuanced, and I understand it, and it might be unfair, but I'll just say Nick Nurse is a great coach. Uh, I believe Nick Nurse is a really good coach, and he's been able to keep them relevant through a season where Vegas had them winning like 30 games. Uh, but did he not cultivate the bench enough so that that wear and tear on those top guys is costing him when it matters most? Like, should he have leaned on the bench a little bit more? I know it was winning games versus coming along, and I know it's in the grand scheme of things, maybe a year where you were trying to cultivate a little bit more. Like, what's your take on how Nick Nurse handled the minutes this year? Matt, I think, I think he did a great job finding out a solution to making this team relevant. Right. I think at the beginning of the year, there were doubts about, you know, where was the offense going to come from? Was this team deep enough? And those are still the same questions. But for how he figured out, you know what, where most coaches were saying, you know, I can't play these guys more than 30 minutes. 30, he just said, you know, we're going to go all out and we're going to use our best guys to play the most of the minutes. So he took it back to back in the day where guys were logging 40 minutes, 38 minutes and the best players they were playing. So I think he did a really good job of figuring that out. Now, if you put somebody in a position where they have to develop the same time for the young players, that's a hard thing for a coach to, to do through the course of a season. It's, a lot of times those things happen during the offseason where players develop and then that trust is earned throughout the season. But I really, honestly, I really believe he did a very good job and he's doing a good job of figuring out who can do what at the most critical times. Now, at this moment, you want to make sure everybody is healthy so when they go into this sprint, this is the sprint side of the right. season, right. that everybody's running on all cylinders. So I think he's doing a great job of figuring, he's figured that out, but now it's getting everyone healthy again. Right, get them back on the same page. I, I never thought anyone would break Lenny Wilkins' record or be around long enough to break Lenny Wilkins' record. Then <laughs> Don Nelson was around long enough to beat Lenny Wilkins' record. And I thought, well, no one's going to beat. And then here's Pop. And, and Pop didn't need as much time as Lenny needed or as Don Nelson needed. He could break the record for most coaching wins all time this season. 
Is Greg Popovich the greatest coach of all time, Alvin? Oh, man, you got to put him up there. You know, there are a lot of great coaches. And unfortunately, in, in the NBA, the best coaches aren't always the most winningest coaches, right? It's right. like how you manage a team. How do you influence team? How do you work with what you have? And then if you take the course of the NBA in history, when you add free agency, you add lottery picks, you add just the structure of how teams are constructed, it's, it's, it's hard to, to measure coaches from just one standpoint, and that's wins and losses and championships. But when you talk about a Popovich, you talk about someone who, who's with the Spurs culture, the Spurs reputation, the talent, the people that he's worked with, whether it's with the Spurs, whether it's the national team, whether it's all of these other things. And I think, once again, when you look at a figure in the NBA or in sports in itself, he's not, he's not afraid to speak out with socially. He's not afraid to speak out with things that are right going or when things are wrong in society. Yeah. And that's what I love about Pop most of all. I think he can take it deeper than basketball, and he can take it to all around humanity. And that's one of the pieces I, I love about Pop and why he's so valuable to, uh, to our sport and to society. But he's a, he's a heck of a coach, and, and I definitely have a lot of respect for Popovich. Without a doubt, I couldn't agree more on all of it, and he did get kind of lucky with Tim Duncan and David <laughs> Robinson. Kind of. Kind of <laughs> lucky. Yeah. Got very lucky. <laughs> and to set that, like, I always believe, like, if your best players set a culture like David Robinson and Tim Duncan did, like, man, it's hard not to fall in line. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard, and, and that's, that's a challenge as well. But you have to have the right person that can manage that and make sure you hold your best players accountable. You're hard. You coach those best players. I just remember when Tony Parker was a young buck, and he was like 19 years old, and Popovich stayed on him. And now you look at that. But once you have that culture of everyone's policing themselves, everyone hold each other accountable, it's kinda, it makes it easy for, for the coach to do it. But you have to start – with that mindset and that philosophy first. And I, I got to guess, I guess I got to tip my hat to Popovich for that. Man, Pop on Tony Parker would not happen in 2022. Oh, no. <laughs> Pop would have been fired, probably. <laughs> Tony Parker would have got him fired or some, something would, oh. some heads would have been rolling. Without a doubt. Uh, maybe the polar opposite. <laughs> uh, ben Simmons. He's going back to Philly tomorrow. You can see it on Sportsnet 1. You are in Philly. How is that going to go, my friend? It's going to be bananas. And guess what? He's not even playing. Yeah. So just if, if I'm the coach, hey, man, don't sit on the bench. I wouldn't even sit on the bench. Why because is this that is happening? Philadelphia. I, I don't know. If, if, even if he is, I don't, know, I don't know what's going to happen. But it's not a scenario where he should be sitting on a bench. It's going to be a distraction. It could just put people in harm's way. Because once again, the Philadelphia fan base, they're, they're, not, they're looking forward to this day. They're looking forward to this day to be on national news. They're looking forward to this day to be to live up to their reputation. So you don't know what can happen. I know heightened security will be in the building. It has to be. But it's going to be a very interesting day. All right. So let me like from zero to Santa Claus at uh, Veterans Memorial Stadium. Uh, you are for those who don't know, born and raised Philly. You went to university in Philly. Like where are we at for Ben Simmons return? Oh, this, you said zero to it's, – it's, it's, this is going to be right up there when Michael Irvin yes. was temporarily paralyzed and the crowd was cheering. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be up there. These guys are ruthless. They're heartless at times. 
And it's just one of those things where I think they feed off of that type of energy that's publicized a lot. And, and it's unfortunate. I don't like it. That's why I'm not a Philadelphia fan because of the fan base. But it, it's going to be tough on Ben Simmons. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be really tough. And it's going to be interesting to see how he responds if he's actually out there on that bench. All right. I'm with you. There is a fine line between being ridiculous and being just fun and trash-talking your opponents. So I ask you before we go, in honor of Ben Simmons returning to Philadelphia tomorrow on Sportsnet 1, what's the best piece of trash-talk that you have ever heard, whether it be in a game that you have played in, whether it be to someone else on the court, whether it be just you were at a high school game and you heard, can you remember a specific piece of tra- it's a tough question, I know, so I'm going to keep talking until you yes. think of something. <laughs> just, just tell me to go bleep myself. You're good. You know me well enough. Man, I, hey, I've heard a lot of trash talk. I, I've been a part of trash talk. People really didn't talk too much trash to me because I was probably irrelevant. And a lot of times, it didn't. you didn't have to get in my head to take me out of the game. But when I was young, man, this Philadelphia fan, once again, when we were young, they heckled us when we were in fourth, fifth grade, sixth. Like, it was, it was always bad. But I, I can't name one thing that I've ever heard that, that you know, trash talk. It, it doesn't come back to my mind. So, I apologize. Hey, I, failed, I failed with that question. Hey, people didn't uh, stay away from you because you were irrelevant. Uh, you were always the, the quiet one. And as Big taught us and KRS-One taught us, real bad boys move in silence. Alvin Williams. That, 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 hey, hey, thank you for that. Thank <laughs> you for that. Uh, thanks for doing this. Always appreciate catching up with you. Thank Talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you. There is Alvin Williams from Philly where it will be a scene. Again, you can see it tomorrow on Sportsnet 1. Uh, time for a break. When we come back, we might fit in some crazy. I haven't seen the final score in the Champs League because we're doing mm. this show, but I got a feeling there was a bit of a game today. We'll discuss next here on Game Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McCallum, Jesse Rubinoff here with you as always. Got a couple tweets I know that you want to get to, but I want to get to one too. I don't know if you noticed this during the Alvin Williams interview. And by the way, the reason why he didn't want to repeat the best trash talk that he heard was he probably couldn't on national television. (laughs) But Canadian veteran wrote in and said, I keep muting the TV, listening if it's our smoke detector, low battery. (laughs) (laughs) It was Alvin Williams' house. We all heard it. We all understood it. Uh, all right, well, maybe not all of us. I, I don't think he was alone. No. He or she was alone no. with that. There are a lot of people watching who probably, what's what's going on here? Is it, yeah. is it me? Is Where's it Where's the beeping yeah. coming? It was Alvin Williams is where it was coming uh, from. Brought me back to the fire alarm uh, that we got to see on the, the one-year anniversary video. Um, okay, so so people are still feeling the, the opening that we had to the show today. Oh, Some nice. tight rhymes. So uh, let's get to a couple of responses. About I don't know it. if they were rhymes, Jesse. I don't know if I was spitting bars out here. I was just giving every once in a while maybe a bar, but they were tip of the cap to song titles. You're underselling it. Yeah, you're underselling it. I don't know. Uh, Mark says that opening on Tim and Friends was tight. Almost brought a tear to my eye. Why did you have to say it like that? What do you mean? What are you giggling about, Sebi? He heard it too. Because that's the emphasis of that tweet. No, it just says it was tight. You said tight. Because it was tight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was tight. He's going to keel over. <laughs> you heard it too, oh Sammy. I'm not the only one. Okay, good. I was going to let it go because <laughs> John Bollum would get mad at me for doing that, but whatever. So you would have just read it like that opening on Tim and Friends was tight. 
There's nothing exciting. <laughs> There's nothing exciting about that. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's me. It's on me. Nitro says, best opening yet. You are one funky homo sapien. Oh, nice. That was, that was uh, reserved for Dell. Yeah. But I, but I will take it as well. You okay with that, Reed? That was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Single dad guy. Uh, Nick, attaboy, Uncle Timmy, hashtag uh, Biggie25. So, uh, nice. Very good. Very good. I enjoyed uh, it thoroughly. All right, listen. Uh, I wanted to get some highlights for you. And there are two Champs League games today. And before we run the highlights, I'm just going to say we're going to save you from Man City and sporting because it was 5 nothing heading into this game. It was a nil-nil draw. We'll save you from the nonsense of that and get you to PSG and Real Madrid. Now, PSG entered the second leg up 1-0 over Real Madrid on aggregate. And in the 39th minute, PSG makes it a 2-0 lead. Kylian Mbappe, he's fast, he can score. Kylian Mbappe is fast and he can score. So 2-0, we're done, right? Well, go to the second half. Gianluigi Donnarumma, a little bit of a mess here, hands a gift, Vinicius Jr. gives it to Kareem Benzema, who slots it, 2-1, still done, right? Benzema, yeah, okay, whatever, they gave you a goal. 76th minute, Luka Modric plays a nice ball to Benzema. Oh, dear God, we are tied at two on aggregate. It's Benzema again. Benzema! Those uh, vintage viewers... Looking in today, we'll remember a name, Alfredo Di Stefano from the late 50s and early 60s. He's level with him now in terms of goals for Real Madrid. He's got another! He's got another! He's got a hat-trick! He's got a hand of Di Stefano, and he has gone into Real Madrid legend. It is the timeless Karim Benzema. Benzema, a second half. In 17 minutes, Madrid moving on 3-2 on aggregate. PSG and all of their money, love, peace, and hair grease. Jesse Rubinon. Benzema's got one of the best handles in all of soccer. That goal was so hard, the third goal. Like, on the run, first touch to direct it the way he did, off of what looked like his shin and not his foot, was unbelievable. Uh, everyone's writing and saying that they're, uh, they all changed their smoke alarm batteries. <laughs> Is that what's going on right now? Yeah. I saw you chuckling. I didn't know if it was oh, toit or smoke alarm batteries. Exceptional. Uh, okay, let's get to uh, baseball because things are happening. I know. Uh, you Is it know. toit? Yeah, it's, it's tight. This yeah. tight situation. <laughs> tight to a deadline is what they are. Yes. Major League Baseball and the Players Union met until the early hours of the morning and talks continued throughout the day today. But as the day dragged on, initial optimism of getting a deal done has started to fade away. Early this morning, this tweet by MLB Network's John Heyman saying, I have a good feeling about tomorrow. Of course, this isn't the first time I've had a good feeling about this. As uh, Tim has uh, been echoing those sentiments for a long time. But just a couple hours ago, an update from Heyman. Almost no progress made today on another deadline day. Hard to see deal getting done today. Cancellation of more games looms. And uh, June Lee pretty recently saying that uh, MLB official says the international draft represents a major structural roadblock for the negotiation that the two sides can't move forward with the rest of the CBA talks until resolution. Okay, I get that. I understand that. I understand why the PA doesn't want an international draft. I think maybe an international draft would be good 
for baseball to clean up what has been kind of sort of ugly yeah. in the past. I mean, there's accusations of people feeding drugs to 14-year-olds so that they can look way better than they would normally at 14. They need to clean that up. I This one might be a bit of a draw, but the more I can't get past Heyman and the cancellation of more games. Like, what the, what are we doing here? Last week, Rob Manfred stepped to a podium in Jupiter, Florida, and told us that he was canceling game after his chuckle and after his golf swing. He said we're canceling game, not postponing games, mm-hmm. canceling the first two series. And then yesterday, he comes out and he says, "Well, this will be a deadline where we can no longer fit in 162 games." So then you lied to us. <laughs> This has been my beef the entire time. So then a week ago, when you said you canceled games, you didn't actually cancel anything because you could still get 162 in. This is what I'm pissed off about, Jesse. This is why I didn't want to do this back and forth was because they're lying to us. It's excellent. I love when we bring up baseball. I love it. I love it because we get that out of you. But you agree. Like you understand that they flat out lied to our faces. It was live on the show. It was live on the show. We went to the press conference. It's literally what and he now, said. They probably still can fit in 162, and Heyman's tweeting about canceling more games. Yeah, it's been tough to follow. Just get a deal it's done and then follow. And it's then... easy to follow. It's all horse bleep. Time for a break. <laughs> Won't be horse bleep after the break. It'll be Felix Auger Ali Asim. He is joining us after a great start to the 2022 season. Can he break through at a Grand Slam? We will discuss that. Talk a little hockey. Tim and Friends continues. On Sportsnet. Sportsnet 360. Horse bleep, Jesse. Horse bleep! And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Relax, it was Alvin Williams' smoke detector that was beeping, not yours. Thank you, Sheepdogs, back here for hour number two. I'm Tim and Friends, Tim McAlvin, along with Jesse Rubinoff, here with you for another full hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals visit the Oilers tonight on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. That should be interesting, to say the least. Coverage starts with Hockey Central, 7.30 Eastern. And later tonight, viewers in the Vancouver region can see the Habs and the Canucks in an all-Canadian matchup. We'll check in with Gene Principe and Dan Murphy. Plus, we'll be joined by Ken Reed and Sam Cosentino. So plenty of hockey talk coming your way right here on Tim and Friends. But we begin this hour with a little tennis. That's right. The BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells, California is underway back in its regular spot in the calendar for the first time since 2019 and montreal slash quebec cities felix auger aliasim enters the tournament ranked a career high number nine in the world even though we were just two months into 2022 it's already shaping up to be the best of his young career I'm so high on on this guy's potential really think he has the ability to be a number one player in the world Semi-genius of Medvedev and the young gun down the other end who may end up being the best athlete in the game. Medvedev masters OJ Aliasim got midnight in Melbourne. 
I look at it in a very positive way. I'm gonna, you know, leave Australia with my head uh, held high. I can play well. I can play well against the best uh, the players in the world. A superb display from Felix Auger-Aliassime in Rotterdam. Could this be the week he gets over the line? Playing the best tennis probably of his life. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. The wait is over. The 21-year-old Canadian claims his maiden title on the ATP Tour. It's the biggest relief, you know. Uh... I can't explain the weight off my shoulder right now. This guy is here to stay. Man, it has already been a year for the 21-year-old from our home and native land, and we're only starting March. But from a big win at the ATP Cup, easy for me to say, to his first career title in Rotterdam, followed up with a runner-up in Marseille. My guy is 15-4 and four on the season, three wins over top 10 players in the world, which he himself is now. Ninth on planet Earth. Felix Ojeliasim joins me now. Thank you for joining us here on Tim and Friends. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. That was a wonderful intro. Nice. Back some, uh, some really good memories. Even getting Sorry, a reaction at Indian Wells, too. Yeah, yeah. We're getting a reaction here. <laughs> There's quite a, quite a big football in Europe right now. So everybody's getting, all the players are getting pretty excited here. I understand. Champs League can draw a crowd in tennis. Uh, hey, all, has all that sunk in yet? Like, I know as a tennis pro, y'all are constantly on the move. Focus can be next event, next opponent. But have you had some time to kind of savor the ATP Cup win or the title in Rotterdam or even, as I mentioned, being top 10 in the world? Yeah, I've had time. You know, it's always good to take the moment to, to soak it in, to appreciate uh, what you've accomplished. Uh, you know, I had a week between the ATP Cup win and the Australian Open, so... You know, the next day, the next two days, really was able to 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 enjoy and soak in that victory with the team, and then same thing with Rotterdam and, and Marseille. It was two great weeks uh, on indoors uh, in Europe, and then I had three weeks. I mean, actually two weeks until today. Uh, so uh, I've had time to to reflect on it, uh, relax, and then and, and get to training again because I think once you start, you know, winning these type of matches and, and doing that, you just want to try to repeat it as much as you can. I know you've been close a couple of times before breaking through in Rotterdam. How satisfying was that? Yeah, the best feeling. I mean, uh, like I said in that interview, the, the, the weight off my shoulder was, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, the, the relief that I got from that win uh, to, to finally get it after, you know, on the ninth, ninth try, uh, it, was, it was a big relief. So uh, I'm happy it came also at such a big event. You know, I played... You know, two top tens to 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 win it uh, at 500 level. I think you know I didn't steal that one from everyone. It was really, uh, you know, a great performance all week from my part. So, you know, overall it's just a great memory. Hey, I wondered at the time of the ATP Cup win with your guy Shapo, if that would give you both some confidence moving forward. Did you feel like a win like that added to the we can do this ish? Well, definitely. I think. Uh, you know, you start the year, you haven't played, uh, you know, in a few weeks, months, and and you're not always sure where your game is at. So to start, you know, first event of the year, to win it like this, to beat, you know, top 10 players, to to get a big win in the finals, um, I think it was the best the best way to start. And also to, to share it with teammates, uh, you know, where the pressure is kind of divided, I think it was, it was also great. So uh, for Dennis and I, you know, it was the perfect way to start, and I think that helped us you know, uh, leading you to the Australian Open to, to make deep runs into the quarterfinals. 
Nice. We've had a couple conversations on the show amazed at how and what Canadian tennis has been able to accomplish over the last couple of years. I know you and Chapo are tight, but in places like Indian Wells or the Slams, where the women cross over too, is there like a Canadian contingent thing? Like, do y'all go out for poutine or pass around Smarties and caramel bars when you get together? <laughs> Not so much, but yeah. it's always good to see them around practicing with Chapo actually this afternoon. Um, I mean, I love to see, you know, Layla and, and the other girls also around the other players. Vashik is also playing today. So it's always good, you know, to get a chat with them and see them around. Uh, but, you know, once the tournament starts or when we're close to the tournament, it's every everybody's got their own schedule, their own thing going on, their own team. So uh, tennis is a sport like that. You know, it's uh, it's kind of digital and everybody does their thing. So that's why I think it's important to have these, these team events like ATP Cup to kind of... Uh, you know, bring everybody together and, and play with one goal in mind, uh, all, all of us together. Yeah, it's not like uh, PSG and Real Madrid, which I think is what everyone's watching right now. Uh, speaking of Canadian tennis, I know you're doing work with Tennis Canada and Rogers on a great cause. They've come together to pledge over $5.5 million to building covered courts coast-to-coast coast in Canada to give kids a chance to play year-round. How important is that to the next generation here in Canada to have more covered courts? It's the most important thing. You know, I think uh, we have great quality of coaches, uh, you know, players. Now we have uh, people who are interested into the sport. They want to play. They see, you know, players like myself and Dennis and Bianca and Leila on TV. And they want to play, but access is everything. So they need access to courts, covered courts, so they can play all year long. And I was, I was very fortunate, very lucky as a kid, my dad being a coach, I had pretty easy access to courts, but it wasn't the same for all, for all the kids, you know, or, or sometimes it was more difficult. So I think having that access is going gonna, is gonna to change a lot of things into the sport because hopefully one day we can have, you know, many of us uh, on the tour in the top 100, you know, not only two or three, but, but you know, five to ten players in the top 100 on both the men and women. Yeah, I know my son's a baseball player, and it's tough. No games, just workouts in the winter. Uh, but Tennis Canada and Rogers uh, aiming to open 160 new indoor courts by 2029 and just announced the first four confirmed projects. Ancaster and Markham, Ontario. Waterloo, Quebec, which is about 90 minutes from Montreal. And Calgary, Alberta. I know you had cover courts when you were a kid, but playing in the winter when you were a kid, how far do you think that got you ahead of your competition? Well, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, um, you know, playing, uh, we had to adapt, you know, and sometimes we had to travel as well uh, a bit south to, to, let's say, Florida or other countries to try and play outside and, 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 and challenge ourselves against the best in the world at a very young age. Uh, but I, I always felt like I had the possibility to improve my game, to work on my things, to, to, to try to become, you know, the best player I can with the conditions that, we've, that we had. And, um, no, they've put already, you know, a lot of effort, a lot of, uh, you know, money into, you know, building courts, putting infrastructures in place for us young players to, to develop. So I was, I was already very fortunate to, to grow up in, um, in that movement in those years. But I think, you know, we can always, you know, aim higher and try to have, you know, uh, more indoor courts so more kids can play um, all across the, the country. Gotcha. Truly amazing how many players we've produced despite the lack of courts. And I think the number is around 10% of courts are covered in Canada. So you can play in the winter. Yeah. Can't wait to see the results of this initiative. Uh, not much need for that in Palm Springs. Uh, maybe coverage no. from the heat. Uh, I know you pulled out of Dubai with the back. How are you feeling right now? 
No, I'm feeling good. Feeling much better. I'm moving well on the court. Uh, I think just like you said, you know, 15 and four already played 19 matches this year. It's a lot of tennis. Uh, also, almost played, you know, almost every day for a couple of weeks. So I just felt, you know, my, my body needed rest. I uh, had some tensions and I needed, you know, that, uh, that one extra week to, to relax and, and, and really get ready for the, for the, you know, the Masters 1000, the biggest tournaments uh, in the year for us. Uh, there's going to be a long stretch until the summer. Uh, so I need to be ready for that. Hey, Medvedev just became the first player to be ranked number one in the world outside of the big four, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, since 2004. Does, does it feel like there's a real opening for some of you young guys to take advantage of right now? For sure. There's a big group of, of us players. You know, there's about eight to ten players uh, that, you know, are contenders to, to, to be at the top of the game. Of course, Medvedev is, is ahead of us now. You know, he's... He, he's, he's proved himself, you know, over and over. So he deserves that spot. But, uh, of course, in the next years, I think a lot of young players are pushing for that, including myself. I felt like you kind of had Medvedev at the Aussie Open. What, what, what did you take from that matchup? Yeah, I mean, it uh, doesn't get much closer than, than, than having a match point, you know. And uh, I, felt, I felt good, you know. I think uh, right off uh, the, the match, of course, I was disappointed with, uh, with the loss. But I think I came out with a very positive mindset, knowing that I... I played in, you know, a great match. I produced some great levels throughout this tournament. Uh, and and just knowing that, okay, you know, it's the start of the year. Um, I was, you know, my goal was to try and head into the next tournament with that same attitude and, and that same positive mindset, which I did. And I think that helped me, you know, to, to go, uh, you know, uh, right after the Rotterdam and take the title. Do you feel close, Felix? Maybe a grand slam, maybe the fifth slam like Indiana Wells? Do you feel close? Well, uh, I mean, every day, I mean, sorry, every week you got to start from the first round, right? right. So uh, right. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not easy. Of course, my confidence is, gets, you know, higher and higher. I, I feel like I'm a better player. So I think my belief is, is, yes, stronger that I can, you know, win tournaments like this. But, the, the, you know, the field is, is so strong. All the players are tough. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But definitely I'm going I'm to try my best to already you know try to go all the way this week and and we'll see for the rest of the year but um i'm gonna push hard to to try and, uh, and accomplish great things i know you want to practice again and we're gonna let you go but i have i have one more every monday we have a tip of the cap for someone who does something cool something good in sport something we don't normally see and we gave it to you a few weeks back in marseille when when roman uh, safilin hit a shot in a tight match that was called out by the lines person and you looked at it, you got down low, you encouraged him to challenge after looking at it. We thought it was cool as cool as bleep. Um, what made you think of that in the moment? Well, I thought it was really close. I mean, I, so I looked at him and thought, well, you know, you might as well challenge because uh, that looked really close to me. Um, and, you know, so he did. And, uh, and actually, I guess we were both right. Uh, it was good. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I try to just, you know, call the ball as I see it. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, which way it goes. I try, you know, it's uh, we have, of course, referees, but you know, I get along well with other players on the on the on you know on the circuit on the tour, and I try to you know to to to, to be fair, to play fair, and, and and hopefully that gives a good example to to all the kids back home that are playing, you know, uh, in their in their city, in their neighborhood, or in their province, and you know, I think. Uh, the most important is the ethic, you know, of the sport right. and, and the sport man. So hopefully, you know, that gives a good light uh, for the young kids in Canada. Has anyone ever done that for you? 
Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, for sure in the past, uh, you know, the players are, you know, they're, they're fair and they have a good sportsmanship. Awesome. I know we're Canadian and it's in our DNA, Felix, but Grand Slam final, maybe let the Lions people just do their job, okay? <laughs> all right uh, a great pleasure talking to you i know a lot of people are cheering for you around these parts and if you ever feel the need to pop back on here our door is always open thanks so much for doing this merci beaucoup i'll see you soon thank you ladies and gentlemen felix Auger ali Asim coming up after a milestone night in calgary alexander ovechkin will look to make more history tonight in Edmonton, but what kind of reception will he receive at Rogers Place? Ken Reed joins us, Gene Principe joins us, some Hockey Talk next. Welcome back, Tim and friends. Those friends include Jesse Rubinoff and soon-to-be Kenny Reed. Also, Gene Principe, Dan Murphy coming up. Alexander, and Ove Alexander Ovechkin, not Alexander and Ovechkin. They're the same guy. But Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals continue their trip through Alberta tonight as they visit the Oilers in Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Last night, Ovechkin scored twice in the 5-4 win over the Flames, moving him into a tie with Yalmir Jagger for third place on the NHL's all-time list. Gene Principe standing by at Rogers Place in Edmonton. Gene, there's lots of attention on Ovi, but the Oilers have some issues of their own heading into this one, don't they? Well, you know, Tim, uh, first of all, congratulations on the one-year anniversary. It's been a great uh, one year with many, many Thanks, more years to Thanks, come. Uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, they've had many years of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, And I think when you've got those two players, people expect that you're going to at least be in the playoffs. And that's been the case the last couple of seasons, uh, despite the fact they were swept out by Winnipeg and lost in the qualifying round of Chicago. They had really good regular seasons. Now, this season, it's a little bit different as they find themselves currently just out of the playoff positioning. Not far, nothing a short run would put them back in either the, the top eight wild court or maybe even the top three of their division. But they're looking for something, and usually people look to Connor and look to Leon. Lots of pressure being 97 and 29 for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, their teammates understand that and see that firsthand, including a three time Stanley Cup champion. I think Connor and Leon uh, absorb and, and take a lot of. Uh responsibility because they feel the pressure they want to win here they've been here for a while now they they care about the the city and the fans and the organization so i think that's natural and that's good that's that's why we're lucky to have two players that are so good like that that care yeah, in many ways, it was almost like Duncan Keith was talking about when he was in Chicago and a couple of guys named Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and how they were drafted close and then eventually busted through to win those three cups in five years. Uh, Tim, of course, Oilers fans, Connor, Leon, everybody around the team is hoping that's the case soon, but never, ever think that those two guys aren't committed to the team, to the city, to this fan base, to trying to do their best and to get into the playoffs and maybe win that Stanley Cup. Yeah, and everyone needs help, Gino. Everyone needs help. Even yeah. Crosby and Malkin needed Phil Kessel to get him over the mm -hmm. hump in Pittsburgh. Uh, Zach Cassian back. That might help out a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, I know the province of Alberta is home to almost 350,000 people mm -hmm. of Ukrainian descent, a lot of them in Edmonton. Uh, I know we're the distraction. I know that you and I take our roles as the, as the distraction very seriously, but it feels like it's going to be a bit of a different night with Alexander Ovechkin in town. Tim, I, th I think you absolutely nailed it. Um, I, I live on the north side of Edmonton, and, and you can't uh, grow up without knowing many 
uh, Ukrainians, Ukrainian heritage. Their parents came over, their grandparents came over. They came here like so many of us immigrants, Italians. They came here looking for a better life, and they've been able to find it in Canada. In fact, I heard a stat the other day, 27% of all Ukrainians or those with Ukrainian heritage live in Alberta. And I think I've met about 4% of those people. So tonight is going to be a very interesting night. Uh, Alex Ovechkin was uh, maybe mildly booed in Calgary uh, last night. I, I, I would say this, uh, people boo the power play, they, they boo the officials, they boo lots of things. We, we say once you pay the ticket, you can kind of do or say what you want within reason. I hope and I expect that Oilers fans may boo, may make their feelings known about Alex and maybe his connection with Russia and, and the President Putin, but be respectful. The, the guy has done tons for the game. You mentioned where he is on the National Hockey League list for goals scored, and I think anyone that's run into Alex, seen him, spent any time with him, he's been great for the game. Really, really, really good for the game of hockey coming over from Russia. So uh, if you have something to say, Say it, but get over it, move on, and let's get back to the game. All right, Gene, I always appreciate you dropping by. Anytime, Tim. There's Gene Principe in Edmonton. That will be an interesting one, to say the least, tonight. Meanwhile, all-Canadian matchup in Vancouver. Canucks open a seven-game homestand as they host the Habs. Vancouver has won five of their last six games, keeping their slim playoff hopes alive. Tonight, it's a Habs team that, like Vancouver, looked like a different team since making a coaching change. Dan Murphy standing by with more on tonight's game. Dan. Tim, hello from Vancouver, where tonight there is a low-key but solid matchup between one team that definitely will not make the playoffs and another that, if we're being honest, is still a long shot to do so. Canucks and Canadians both making in-season management and coaching changes, and the Habs roll in here having won seven of their past eight under Martin Saint-Louis. Tough to say who's benefited the most from the coaching change. Hard to argue against Cole Caulfield. He had one goal in 30 games before St. Louis took over. He's got seven goals in the 11 games since. As for the Canucks, tough to make the playoffs. How tough? Well, here's an idea. When Boudreaux took over back on December the 6th, the Canucks were nine points out of the second wildcard spot. They've gone 28 and four since, and they woke up this morning five points out of the second wild card spot so in three months they made up four points they have less than two months to make up the remaining five impossible no extremely difficult you bet tim appreciate it and i think some of that has to do with what they do at a deadline kenny reed in yes. vancouver yes and whether or not they can make up that ground whether or not they hold on to guys or kenny get reed rid of guys CEO. by the way you've been doing this for a year eh yeah a year and a day need to send you an invoice, I think. <laughs> I saw that new promo where I yeah. complained about not getting paid for doing this, and well, I, it I just kind of dawned on me that I'm still not getting paid for doing this. Do you get a, do you get a paycheck from Sportsnet? Other duties as a sign. <laughs> Tim and contractually other, obligated colleagues. Other duties as a sign. Oh, you paid me in Jamaican <laughs> patties last week, buddy. Yeah, it went well, I heard. Yeah, I, I didn't set my alarm, but I got a wake-up call at 4 a.m. and then another wake-up call at 5.30 a.m. Uh, the best part about the Jamaican <laughs> beef patty story in the end is that once we looked at the patties, you, in fact, got the mild patties. Mild to you, my friend. Mild <laughs> to you. I had received a ton of... How have you never eaten one of these before? You're such a wuss. Yes, I'm a wuss. <laughs> and how have you never eaten one before? I'm like... I, 
We didn't have Jamaican beef patties where I grew up, you know. Yeah. Just, just, that's, I didn't grow up in a city like Toronto. It sounds so. like you grew up in a city where mustard was spice. Yes, it was. I, I think I was like a lot of small town Canadians. The only exotic food you tried, like it was everything was the local menu. And every small town in Canada in the 80s had a Chinese food restaurant. We had the Golden Boat, and that's where you went for exotic food. You went to the Chinese think, food restaurant. I think those small towns are changing a lot, though, now. They are? I drive through a lot of those small towns. They are? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big road trip guy. We have a Tim Hortons now in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> and I've noticed, like, a bunch of different types of restaurants in a bunch of different little cities. Yeah. And it's good to see that other people... Maybe, maybe you and I yeah. can take the Jamaican beef patty out east, <laughs> and those who aren't as soft as you may enjoy oh, it. Well, I, 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 listen, I, I, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> the, I'm telling I, you I, right I, I, now, I, I, the stomachs where I'm from, I, they'd have a tough time with it. But I am the softest of the soft, I'll admit that. So you didn't like it, basically. I liked it. I, I just didn't... Couldn't handle the heat. No, but you Didn't also, like the after effects. Hold on, hold on. You're also gluten intolerant. I'm gluten intolerant, and yeah, I'm a mess, right? (laughs) So, so it might have been that too. So the problem is, I I ate it, and whoa, it's I don't like spicy. I like spicy, but I can't handle it. So I'm like, that's spicy. So I don't try try spicy a lot. That wasn't spicy, but to me, it was. Everything's relative. (laughs) And so then I'm like, well, and if you noticed after the show, I kept eating it because I liked the taste of it. But as I was eating it, I knew I wasn't doing the right thing. Uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, when Timmy, when you were in the sixth grade and you started smoking darts out behind the school, <laughs> you didn't, you knew you were doing the wrong thing, but those lung darts, you know, you were liking them, so you kept doing it. You know, when you're doing something so wrong, it's right. That was me in the Jamaican beef patty. I've been told I held it wrong. Yeah, you did. Hold when it. you initially gave it to me, I asked for cutlery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a rookie. I didn't know what I was doing. No, but you're, you were a good sport about it. Powered through. Yeah, I would, and- uh, yeah. I would put it, the Jamaican beef patty and me are like, uh, it's the equivalent of me after a bender. I woke up saying I'd never do it again. Now I can't guarantee you that I will. <laughs> uh, I do like the line, everything, everything is relative. It is. I think, we should, I think we should use that more in 2022. Uh, yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, everything I mean, is relative. Yeah, yeah exactly. With, without a doubt, everything is relative. All right, so we were just talking a little bit of hockey. Sam Cosentino is going to join us uh, after the break. Which of those three teams in Canada intrigues you the most? The Vancouver Canucks, the Montreal Canadiens, or the Edmonton Oilers? It's always the Oilers. Yeah. The, the Oilers, and uh, to me, the Oilers and the Leafs are so much alike because not the way they play, but the way they are managed and put together, same thing every year. Yeah. The Leafs are this, they're dating a different girl, but it's the same girl they fell in love with last year. The Oilers are dating a different girl, it's the same girl they fell in love with last year. Maybe even it's the exact same girl because they hadn't gone out and changed the goaltending. Right. At least the Leafs changed it up a little with Morazic, but the Leafs play the same way they played last year. And can you notice a big difference between the way the Oilers play this year and the way they played last year? Now, I, I thought I saw a difference when Jay Woodcroft took over. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the coaching bump. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. systems. I don't know. But you need to make saves. You need to make yeah. saves. In the and National Hockey League, I don't yeah. know how many times I've said it. Like, It's hilarious. I mean, we can go on here and debate, oh, the Edmonton owners this, the Edmonton owners that all day long. It's all about goaltending. Yeah, they get some saves. saves. They'll, be, they'll be just fine. They have to go out and get somebody to make the saves, though. They can't stamp out. Can't. They were trying. To, I don't. I don't know what Ken Holland's doing. Maybe he's being um, yeah. uh, raked over the coals by other GMs. Maybe. But yeah. I, I feel like, without a doubt, they gotta go get a goal. Where you get those saves? Like when you get those? All those are relevant. But you gotta get the saves. The heat on, uh, the heat on the Oilers to make a goaltending move. It is 
to me, hotter than the heat of a Jamaican beef patty. Like, it is, <laughs> it's smoking. To you. Nice. After to you. the break. To you, it might be mild. To yeah. me, it's very hot. After the, I, the funny thing is, is like, I'm not a huge spice guy, but maybe because I've eaten a hundred. You've eaten a thousand. And by the way, of those, yeah. who, why, are they, why, why is the food drawn on? I, is it just food coloring, or is it a permanent marker? Is it a Sharpie? <laughs> it's food coloring. Okay, right? good. You mean to mark the spicy ones? Yes. And little dots to mark the spicy yes. ones. We'll keep the hockey talk going. <laughs> Maybe stop the Jamaican beef patty talk. Sam Constantino next. Different friends. Must have overheated them, really. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Ken Reed in studio. We have an update before we get to Sammy Cosentino from our friend Jesse Rubinoff. What is going on in Major League Baseball that you feel the need to interrupt our conversation. I know, I'm so sorry, Ken and uh, Sam Cosentino, but I I just had to check the date to make sure that uh, we didn't flash back in time Mm -hmm. two weeks. But Jeff Passan is saying that Major League Baseball plans to cancel two more series, bringing the total to the first two weeks of the regular season. Sources tell ESPN. All right, so my reaction to this is the same that it was when... uh, Rob Manfred walked up to the podium a week ago and said they were canceling two games, only to say that there was another deadline for 162. I believe this meme, uh, Sebi, if you can just zoom in, uh, speaks to what I think about Major League Baseball and its negotiations. Welcome to the MLB lockout, where the headlines are fake and the negotiations don't matter. Correct. I'm in less shock than I am when Rocky won the title again at the end of Rocky 3. You might be the one person in this building that's more pissed off about reporting about, ah, we're looking good, we're looking bad. Oh, bull crap. Just tell me when you're done. Bunk, it's crap. I've been through it before. I was an Expos fan in 94. It's so funny. I don't mean to sound like the old man, but the young producers running around at work. Hey, there's an update from Major League Baseball. We might have to stay late tonight because I'm like, no, it's not. No, no. We got a couple months of this. Get used to it. That's the exact same way I feel about it. Yeah, it's just whatever. Let's bring it. You know, a guy who's been around a clubhouse or two in his time, Sam Cosentino, joining us from the NHL on Sportsnet Studios. Sam, are you the same way? Like, are all of us old cats just going, just tell me when it's done? It's so tired. How do we split the billions? (laughs) Beat it. (laughs) Call me when it's done. I don't Thank want you. any young people running around. Oh, my gosh, they actually spoke. Oh, my gosh, they canceled games. Beat it. Call me when it's done, June 1st. Then I'll make a decision as to whether or not I want to support the program thereafter. Yeah, without a doubt. And I listen, Rob Manfred said, he goes, listen, we're canceling. Two. And then he said, well, there's a deadline for 162. Whatever. They had just canceled two series, and he's talking about a deadline for 162. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, it's a joke. Uh, right. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Stop it. Now, stop hey, it. You, you want to go to the prom with me? Uh, I don't know. Well, you got to tell me now you can't go with me. Uh, no. Well, you want to go, go to the prom? You got to tell me tomorrow you can't go with me. Uh, uh, come on. This is a bunch of garbage. Fake deadlines. Uh, all right, Sammy, let's talk a little bit of hockey because they are playing right now, and they're playing pretty well. Uh, Edmonton Oilers are just a topic of conversation. They got the Washington Capitals in town. Do you feel like we are going to see a goalie change in Edmonton, or will they just keep riding what they got? Because I, I don't know how many times I have to say that I think they need a new goalie. Yeah, I know, and that's been the refrain for how long now. But I think they're in a situation. I mean, Mike Smith's not playing up to what he set the bar at last year, and that's disappointing because the idea for Ken Holland at the start of the year was to get a healthy Mike Smith and by playing him less, keep him healthy and get Koskinen, and by playing him less, he's not over overloaded with work. And that theory 
if it were to work out, is probably pretty good. But if you go back to 22nd of January, Koskinen's actually been quite good. It's Mike Smith who's not holding up his end of the bargain, and then you're always worried that every time he goes down, he's not going to get back up. If one of them should falter, where Koskinen has to be overplayed, or with Smith goes down with another injury, then they're in big trouble. But I think they should be able to manage it the rest of the way. And maybe because of that, we don't talk enough about no one else uh, being able to score other than the two big guys. But then there's managing, and then there's trying to win. When you got Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, you got to try to win. You can't try to manage no. Hey, Sammy. Oh, and, and I get what you're saying there. Um, you know, and I think the, the the he fired two bullets. You know, he got rid of a coach midseason. Ken Holland did for the first time in his career, and and he went out and got uh, Evander Kane. And Kane's producing at a at a decent level, but all of a sudden he's come in, and those who were producing before him haven't been. Now, let's not forget, they got a couple of guys banged up and some important guys. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is out, Cassian's out, you know, Pooley Arvey was having a good year. Yeah. That speaks a lot to their secondary scoring, which has also been problematic. If you get those guys back, and Cassian, I believe, is a key piece, although he hasn't had a, you know, a great season, he, everyone knows when he's out there, and I think that's an important piece, kind of like Milan Lucic for Calgary. Yeah. So getting those guys back is going to be key um, to help the secondary scoring, and that in turn might help the goaltending, where they don't feel they have to keep it under three every night. It's funny you mentioned Cassian. How about a buck or two to go in the game the other night on Monday night, Edmonton and Calgary. Milan Lucic hammers somebody down by the end boards. Yep. Thank you. And no one does a thing. And, yeah. and, and we're sending out tweets, Battle of Alberta, of Kachuk and Kane like this with their sticks? Yeah. Come on! Come on! <laughs> what are we doing? Look at this. Poor Broberg. He tried the reverse hit. He was channeling his inner Peter Forsberg, and yeah, you, oh, he got run yeah. over by the Luch train. Ryan Leslie, you gotta and I, know who that is, though. Well, no, like yeah, Ryan Leslie and I've talked. We think Luchich is ripped from Yellowstone. He just does whatever he wants. <laughs> That's a pretty good analogy. By the way, Cassian activated today from the IR. Yeah. Jesse really likes the rip. I, I love rip. Rip's one of my Everyone loves rip. Who doesn't yeah. love rip? Rip lives in fantasy rip, land. Rip he doesn't is... have an ID. He goes around kicking the crap out of people and has an attractive girlfriend. <laughs> do, you, do you ever hear, like, the line, if, if you could give yourself – your own nickname, you would be Duke. Everyone would be Duke. <laughs> it's Duke it's, now it's Rip. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's Rip. Like, every guy loves Rip. Of course they love yeah, Rip. I, I can get used to Rip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's rip into the Vancouver Canucks for a hey, flash. Kenny, uh, Kenny. Sammy. Uh, Just call him Rip. Call him. Yeah, Rip. Rip. <laughs> do you think... Uh, they make moves here. Like, this is a real issue. Dan Murphy was just talking about how they made up the four points. Now they got to make up the five points. And to me, it all banks on what they do at the deadline. And if you're middling, Jimmy Rutherford isn't one to kind of sit around and wait. They're, they're too close to yeah. give up on it right now. And so they have to be thankful that we're still uh, having a, at least another week and a number of games before we get to the trade deadline. But the problem they have is... They're paying 6,000 people with all the people that they fired mm-hmm. and all the new jobs that Jim Rutherford helped create. So at some point, the owner's going to say, hey, listen, we need to get into the playoffs. We need to recoup some money. You know, we're rocking and rolling with full buildings again, but we need to get into the playoffs. So they're balancing that. Then you're balancing, okay, so even if we do get in, we get two home games, we get some gate. Now we're back picking in the middle of the pack. Is that really going to help us anyways? Um, and, and so they're in a really – I think the most precarious of any team in Canada right now with their position leading into the deadline. JT Miller's awesome. I don't know why you'd want to move on him. You got him for 5.25 next year. You want, I, I think you want him to stick around. He's been a great example for some of the younger guys. But I've always looked at this team as a, as a wild card team. Can they do any damage if they get in? 
Well, Demko, I'd have to say, is probably one of the top five best goaltenders in the league. You get a hot goalie in the playoffs, who knows? Who knows? Maybe you yeah. win around. I was going to say, they have two tendies, too, that are capable. So, do they, do they dangle? Is it Halak? Do they dangle him at all? Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of power over his ability to, yeah, to where got, yeah. he wants to go. And I thought Edmonton early on might be a destination for him. Um, and who knows? Like, with the cap hit and the bonus money, that's complicated matters uh, tremendously for for moving Halak. And he hasn't been all that good this year either. Yeah. Uh, Sam Cosentino has unleashed his draft rankings on everybody at sportsnet.ca. Look at them all. And uh, I was just looking at this, Sammy. Shane Wright still number one on top of those draft rankings? He is, but it's getting closer. Yeah. And I think he's looking in the rearview mirror now and seeing Yuri Slavkovsky uh, checking in at the number two spot. And for those of you who don't know Slavkovsky, you can really get to know him by listening to his interview in 32 Thoughts. It was, was unbelievable. But he was the guy who had seven goals in seven games, was named MVP of the Olympics, even though the Slovaks only won bronze. So uh, an unbelievable performance, considering that in 26 games playing in Liga in Finland, he had only four points going in. So he's had some international currency. In Liga, it's typically a good predictor of what NHL success, uh, you know, for players who play there in their draft year. He hadn't done much. And then he goes to the Olympics and lights it up. So he's right there now, um, just inches behind Shane Wright. But Shane Wright's still got top spot. Who's the better fit for the Montreal Canadiens? I'm sure that's what all the Habs fans watching want to know. Wow, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. But I'd like Shane Wright down the middle of the ice here in two years, uh, you know, behind Suzuki as a good one-two punch. Yeah. But Slavkovsky, the ability to score from the wing, he's got some size. You always like that. Um, so that, you know, they, they might be in a very interesting position. And I don't know how you hold the draft at home. For three years, we've been hearing about Shane Wright. And yeah. Ken Hughes goes up to the mic and says, you're I Slavkovsky. I just, I don't see how that happens. We'd have another one of those memes. Remember the lady that made the face at Montreal? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. it'd be another one of those. <laughs> I like the impression oh, of the face. Oh, oh. That was uh, me after eating the Jamaican beef bag. <laughs> you ain't lying. Yeah. You're doing the penguin. Yeah, I was. <laughs> who's your, uh, speaking of moving and shaking, who's your mover or shaker on this board like who's moved up the most or who's made the most movement on this board of a top 10 yeah well well two interesting changes I mean David Juracek is a guy who got injured at the world juniors in a game against Canada he had been the projected top defenseman Simon Nemec who you see at the bottom of that list at number five has now moved into that spot I believe and at number 10 you have Jonathan Lekiermäki is uh, one of those guys playing for Jurgarden in Sweden who's really really dynamic player can shoot the lights out some have compared him to Alexander Holtz he's much lighter of frame than what Holtz is but some believe that even at this point in their career comparably uh, that this guy's a better goal scorer than Holtz and we knew Holtz in his draft here as being an elite goal scorer so those are two guys who've kind of made a move here in the top 10. All right for those of you watching at home you see Sammy's big smile Sammy's a good dude Sammy's the kind of guy you want to have a pop with Sammy's a good sport so I came in and we saw we, we I saw we had Sammy on the show Sammy as you can see has a wicked handlebar mustache so Tim if I may can I do this I want to have the first annual Tim and Fred's Sam Cosentino look-alike contest. <laughs> you know who I want to judge it? That's my guy. Right. I want Sam, I want you to judge it. I want you to judge the Sam Cosentino look-alike contest. I don't know if we have theme music for this or what, but... You can, can, you can ask for it live on air. Which can you, I, I have you theme just, music, please? I think you just did. Okay. <laughs> so, so this is handlebar mustache there's, theme music? There's, there's three, yes, there's three... Candidates for Sam to choose from. <laughs> it is epic. Sam Cosentino. It is epic. I like it. Do you look most like legendary wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer Hulk Hogan? Oh, look at that. Okay. Not bad. Do you thick. look? That thing's thick. That's really thick. Yeah, there's some. Uh, Do you look thick. most like legendary Major League 
pitcher, Al, the mad Hungarian Harbowski, who <laughs> really, Al really brought the bar to fame. Yeah, it's really, it's or, a real picture of him. That is a random picture. Or do you look like, most like, loyal Tim and Friends viewer and author, 60 goal man, Dennis Maruk. Who do you look like? And Maruk was inspired. That is thicker. That's thick. Strict question. The Marukers, the Marukers mustache was inspired by the Mad Hungarian. So oh, nice. So, I'm going Mad Hungarian. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're, you like your baseball. Yeah. Yeah. How mad was the Mad Hungarian? You must have. You must have came across him during your Blue Jays days, did you? Days, did you? No, just a shade before my time. Not too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> You gotta start uh, just after uh, just after Whitey Ford. So I mean, you know, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> he was a broadcaster though. He was around the broadcast yeah, booth for a while. He was in the broadcast booth for yeah, a little while. He was in the broadcast booth. He looks mad too. But if yeah. he was, they if he was him the mad Hungarian, of yeah. course he looks mad. Imagine the great smile be. he had if he was called the delightful Hungarian. <laughs> Sammy, are you gonna get like? Like, there's substance in all three of those handlebar must. Like yours is kind of slim and trim, and it might be just the color of it. But like, will you go for that heft? Heft. I don't know if I can do it without some spray. No. Yeah. I gotta. I might have to consult the Hulkster on a little spray. Yeah. Maybe go with the American-made shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Just a rip. I, I, I am saw a real American. American. I saw the Maruker in Bruce County, man. Ontario, last week, and his has heft again. Oh yeah. He's not, got a not at that 82, 83 peachy level, but there's heft there. <laughs> uh, Sammy Kaz, uh, as always, thanks for doing this, and uh, I guess the winner is. The Mad Hungarian. The Mad Hungarian. Yes. Thanks, Sammy. All right, boys. Good to see you. Take care. See you, buddy. There is Sam Cosentino. Very intimidating His theme. Draft here. rankings out. Yeah, they're sporting that. The other thing I wanted to know is where's all the Canadians on this list, man? Only two in the top ten, and the, there's yeah, not a lot right. of Canadian names on right. here. Kenny's gonna stick around. Last call. We'll do that next. Oh, I know. Yeah, Even like, the guy that looks like a Canadian or sounds like a Canadian, Brad Lambert, isn't Canadian. Lambert. Today we're tipping our caps twice. First to NHL official Dean Morton, who's retiring at the end of the season. Now, this is the cool part of this. him walking away, is that teams that are getting him for the last time have been going up and shaking his hand to congratulate him, including the Senators last night, which is very cool. That's and cool. a tip of cap to Mo Ahmed, who uh, is a Canadian from St. Catharines, set a national record in the 10,000 meters on Monday, beating his personal best and recording a time of just over 26 wow. minutes. He holds the Canadian records in the 3,000, 5,000, and 10,000 meters. Wow. Did you know Morty scored a goal in the NHL, too? He played for Detroit and scored a goal. No, I did not know that he had scored That's a goal. Cool. One game, one goal. Did he? Was he? Is he? He's not part of the Night to Remember. Uh, yeah, he's in one of my which books. Which is yeah. a Kenny Reed book. He oh. is, he is yeah, in one of your books. He's in One Night Only. Yeah, I had him one in One Night Only. Night only. Yeah, one, one game, one goal. Good, good stat line. Did I just change the name of your book? Whatever. <laughs> Available on Amazon. <laughs> hey, I not, no, a night to remember that was after I ate the Jamaican beef. All <laughs> right. Uh, so he was in one of your books. Yeah, he was. Dean yeah, was very in one cool. of my books. Very cool guy. I very just nice like guy. I like that the, there's a knowledge that he's retiring, yep. and there's a respect in the game. And we kind of said on Twitter, do we need to see more of that? And I'm like, yeah, that's not the point of it. I the point of it is understanding that it's the end of his mm -hmm. career. I'm gonna do it every game. No, nope. no, but. Giving That's him the respect and walking up and well shaking deserved. his hand. I love, I, I, love. I love seeing that. All right, uh, let's do last call with Jesse Rubin. Here we go. What's up, boys? Uh, <laughs> the Golden State Warriors snapped a uh, five-game losing streak last night, beating the Clippers 
And maybe they felt some good vibes from this guy yes. before the game. That's Jackie Moon was on court warming up with Clay, Steph, and the rest of the Lord. Warriors, even knocking down some shots from the logo. Tim Kenny, Will Farrell can do it. Could one of us hit a shot from the logo? I'm gonna tell you right now, I can. Oh. It's my claim to fame. Oh, you can. I can hit the long range jumper. Mr. Yankoff would kick you out of the PA gym. Out of here, boy! None of them dream shots, but I swear to God, I can hit them. Swear uh, to God. Set shot. Sid, Cabby, and myself once went to Raptors practice court to try and hit a half court shot. Yeah. And we took shot after shot really after hard. shot after shot after shot, and none of them went in. So I would love to see. Kenny Reed, go down and hit a shot. Last time I did it was at Picto Lodge. I put my back out. Picto Lodge. You want to hit a shot in here? Sure. Keep in mind, this is not regulation. No, this isn't a half-court shot, but it's still a shot. Let Sebi get set. Oh. <laughs> All right. Very you guys put it right by the camera, too. Don't yeah. break anything. <gasps> uh, oh, that the camera. Yeah. Oh, but I thought you wanted me to put it in the chair. I thought yeah, that was that what was you wanted. It. Oh, there's a basket back there. Oh, I was going for the chair. All right. Careful. Oh, oh that was up. a good Jesse, line. Jesse thought it was good <gasps> off No, that was a good line. I didn't like that camera angle. It showed my bald spot. <laughs> right. I don't see anything. Good. That's so Kenny problems. can hit him in a real court, Regulation, but no like problem. this nonsense, whatever. Yeah. Basket. Nice try, Kenny. Uh, according to reports, the Colts are trading quarterback Carson Wentz. What's up with football these days? Uh, he's going to Washington for uh, third-round picks in 2022 and 2023. Indy initially acquired Wentz from the Eagles for a conditional second-round pick, which turned into a first and a third-rounder. Ken, Wentz has a new home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to play for the Washington Commanders. Commanders. How do you feel about the Commanders? Well, I would think in a democratic place like the United States, the term commander would be frowned upon, don't you? Like, right, call them the commies. You know, like, the <laughs> Commanders. Yeah. As, oh, I mean, their old the name took a lot of heat, understandably, but yeah, Commanders, I don't, I don't like they that. Can't no. I they can't win. I elected you, I'm in they charge can't of win. you. They well, just so, run by a terrible person. It's by their own doing. Yeah. It's yeah. their commanders. fault. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but they keep trying and they keep missing. What would I, thought, you call I, I thought the football team was good enough. Football team was great. Dax actually yeah. caught on, didn't it? I thought it yeah. did, but they got into a little more hot mess. So they were like, hey, look over here. We got a name. What I, is it? I command you to get a new name. The Washington football greed? team like, won't do it. Do you think it's greed, too? Because you get more jersey sales. You get new logo. You get ding, ding, ding. I mean, do you think it's greed? Like, ding, sorry, ding. Yeah, it, was, it was a rhetorical question. 98% of the world <laughs> is greed. Yes. <laughs> Most of the answers to all of these questions can just be greed. greed. Well, that brings us back to Major League Baseball. Speaking of uh, greed and uh, gambling and winning bets, uh, Ja Morant was at it again last night, uh, hitting a three from the logo and finishing off a monstrous alley-oop and a win over the Pelicans. Uh, Yesterday was International Women's Day, and here's what Morant said after the game. That's like my, you know, my best friend. Um, although it's my mother, but, you know, we're real close. Um, person who made me, you know, who I am today, you know, taught me how to, you know, carry myself and, you know, respect women. I know it's, you know, International Women's Day today, but uh, she always taught me, you know, we, we celebrate women every day. Hey. Yeah. So John, John's making a, a lot of new fans. We know that, Timmy, you, you love him because, quite frankly, he's trying to catch 
uh, the league lead for scoring. That's your bet. We need him to finish atop the league. Let him lead the league in scoring. When did scoring. you bet at the start of the year? The start of the year. He's seventh right now. Timmy's got the futures on lock. He's pretty he's good. Not, he's still two and a half points back. You he's, know, the, the last person who often realizes he has a problem is the person with the problem. Out there. <laughs> I would no, say he's that. winning. He's winning. Oh, he's no, fine then. Know your limits. Stay within it. Is he the most beloved player in the uh, National Basketball he, Association? He, he might. Uh, I don't know if he's the most beloved. I think Steph Curry is very there's a lot of people yeah, who, Curry, who are who are loved, but uh, Ja might end up with the same speech that we saw from Kevin Durant about his mom mm. when he wins an MVP. You're a real MVP. Yeah. Legendary uh, line. Okay. Yesterday we learned Aaron Rodgers uh, will re-sign with the Packers. Today Stephen A. Smith and Chris Mad Dog Russo discussed Rodgers on ESPN's First Take, and this happened. You don't make wait, 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 let me help you. I'm no, I get on a chair. You're, you're, you're driving me crazy here that Rogers, he, he doesn't deserve any blame. What's the matter with this that chair? Give me that pad. Oh my god. Uh, you're, you're telling me, you're telling me that Rogers does not deserve any blame. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kenny, is uh your chair more comfortable than mine? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got cushioning on it, and that's the longest I've ever watched first take for. <laughs> oh, Very good. Very good. You know, like I can't believe of, uh, they put Mad Chris Dog? Mad Dog Russo where they two guys just yelling at each other. That's American television. Yeah, yeah American. that's uh, we are the anti-hot take show here. I hope the opposite so. of I hope. Well, we were pretty hot takey last week with the Jamaican beat. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> Phil Kessel has an Ironman streak of 956 games. He was kept alive last night after he started, played a 30-second shift, and left the game. He went straight to the airport and flew back to Arizona to get back for the birth of his child. Timmy, would you have played this game? <laughs> That's a tough question. I, cut or uncut, just uh, playing for 30 seconds to extend the streak. Like juicing I, the streak? Cut. cut. That's not cool. Really? Yeah, he can't play for the 30 and then bail. He can't. Why not? I mean, he's going to see, like, listen, he's... Oh, I, no, go to the birth of your child, but the streak ends. The, the part that was... Okay, so what bugged you about it is that the Coyotes had to play a guy short for the rest of the game. Yeah, and that they he played for 30 seconds and left. I, I would go to the birth of my child. I think it was... And the Coyotes win 9-2 well, last yeah, well, yeah, night. Yeah, they did. Nick Schmaltz, another big Yeah, Nick Schmaltz. Yeah. And 17 goals in two games for the Coyotes. Maybe they want... Phil Kessel, the the birth of his child every game. Exactly. Get busy, Phil. <laughs> All right, that does it for us. A reminder, Hockey Central coming up 7.30 Eastern. And sports the ahead of the Capitals and the Oilers in Scotiabank. Wednesday night hockey, we've got an NBA matchup coming up on 360. It is the Suns and the Heat at 7.30. Thank you, Kenny. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. Thank you.